Welcome to the Living the Dream Podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball Podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. And today, we definitely have a story of inspiration as I am joined by author, Bible teacher, and Christian communicator, Chad Mansbridge. Chad has a way of communicating perplexed and profound biblical truth with great simplicity, clarity, and fun. So we're going to be talking to him about his book and his story and anything that he would like to cover. Chad, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, g'day, Curtis, and a big g'day to all your uh, listeners today. If you can't tell already, I'm coming to you from Australia, uh, the great land down under, and uh, it's a privilege to uh, to be with you today, even though we're uh, on the other side of the world, and, and in fact, a day ahead of you at this stage. Uh, it's uh, great that we can have this technology and be able to communicate like this and, and reach you. It's brilliant. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. Why don't you start off by telling everybody a little bit about yourself? Well, fantastic. I appreciate that. My, my name is Chad, which I understand is a fairly common name uh, there in the uh, US. It's uh, not particularly common down here in Australia, but uh, Chad Mansbridge. Uh, I do live in South Australia, uh, which is in the coastal, in a coastal region. Uh, we're basically a, a wine wine area, a wine region. Uh, so we're famous for that here in South Australia. And uh, I've grown up in a Christian uh, family. Uh, many of your listeners may uh, be aware of the Pentecostal tradition. That's kind of where I where I come from. And uh, but once I left home, I went to university or uh, college, as you may call it, uh, over there. I got married. I've now had four kids. And uh, at the age of 23, my wife and I felt God speak to us about starting a church, a planting or pioneering a local Christian church. And so we did that at just 23 years of age. I'd never been a pastor before. I'd never even preached on a Sunday service. Uh, but we really sensed strongly that uh, call uh, that God spoke to us to pioneer a church. And so I moved back to the place I grew up in uh, here in a, a town called Victor Harbour. And, um, and we planted a church at to age 23. We're now in our 20th year of leading that church. In fact, we're celebrating our 20th birthday uh, throughout this year. We're calling it 20 in 22. So we've even got a website, 20in22.com, uh, which is our way of celebrating 20 years of our church uh, history. And uh, insofar as this region goes, we've uh, grown to become one of the most uh, sort of significant and healthy churches uh, with a solid reputation in our community. And so we're really grateful uh, to God for that and for that history. It's been quite an adventure. And during that uh, that period, and particularly in the last few years, I've had the privilege of uh, authoring a couple of books. Um, my ministry uh, not only uh, keeps me here in my local community, which is very important to me, uh, but also gives me opportunity to travel uh, to different countries and, and around Australia in particular, wherever I'm invited. And uh, often as I travel, people would say, you really need to write some of this stuff down, you know. <laughs> and so 10 years ago, I uh, I uh, actually got pneumonia, can you believe it, at uh, 31, 32 years of age, however old I was. And uh, while I'm sick in bed, I'm thinking, this is a great opportunity for me to start writing a book. And so I wrote my first book when I was uh, in bed uh, suffering pneumonia. I wrote a book called He Qualifies You. 
and uh, he qualifies you and that's uh, uh, available on Amazon. That was my first book back in 2010 that was launched. And But in the last few years, I've been working on a significant uh, book. It's a decent sized book uh, called You Can Handle the Truth. You Can Handle the Truth. And that just came out in September last year in 2021. Well, before we talk about your books, just tell us about the joy and congratulations on your 20 years in, in your church, pastoring your church. But tell us about the joy that you have in running your church. Look, it's uh, there's always joy in being a part of community and uh, feeling the responsibility uh to actually connect people with each other. And being a church, of course, we don't just connect people with other like-minded people or connect people with each other, but we also connect people to God, which is the ultimate relationship, the greatest relationship yeah, any human being can have is a relationship with their maker and life and death basically depends on that as a, it is an issue of eternity, uh, one's relationship with God. And so that's our primary purpose is to connect people to God, uh, to Jesus Christ. Uh, but second to that is to seeing people connect well with one another as a family. And so there's always great joy in that. It's a little bit like being a father, being a parent, uh, maybe I should put it that way, being a parent and seeing the joy of a dinner table with your with your kids connecting well. And even as, you, as your children grow up, I've got adult kids now to see them get on well together brings great joy to my heart and uh, there's always pain in parenting there's pain uh, in being involved in family because whenever you care for people you uh, make yourself vulnerable uh, to suffer with them to suffer when they suffer and that's a very real thing over the last 20 years I've had occasions where uh, you know I've sat in hospital rooms with people who've just lost their stillborn child, and I've been invited into that space with them. I've conducted funerals for uh, children or for suicidal young men. I've uh, been sat with couples as uh, they've just discovered that, uh, you know, their spouse has been um, uh, cheating on them. I've sat in those very tender moments with people bedside as they uh, take their last breath on this planet and as people lose their jobs and go through suffering. And so uh, some of the um, the p p part of being a family is you carry one another's burdens, but the Bible says to uh, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And so I'd say part of the joy of being a part of family, despite the suffering, uh, is that we get to experience the joy of community and the joy even of support in those moments. So yeah, I think being a part of family, being a part of community has great measures of joy. We can see people at, in their worst of times, but we can also share with people's joy in the best of times. And every Sunday is part of our church service, like many Christian churches we meet on a Sunday. Uh, we have an open mic opportunity and uh, where we ask people to just quickly come on the mic and share a story that's brought them joy this week or share them uh, share a story about what God has done uh, in their life during the week and just the stories every single week of God uh, either discreetly working behind the scenes in people's lives or overtly uh, working in their life. Uh, that always brings us great joy. Just uh, this coming Sunday, this Sunday just now, a few days ago from the time we're recording this, uh, we had a couple get up and announce that their baby is cancer-free, a baby that was born uh, with a significant tumour 
on his liver that was uh, they they had all the markers of being cancerous, whatever the those markers are called. Uh, those markers over the last few months have just come down and down and down. He's just been declared cancer free, and that tumor has is been shrinking. This is a baby that uh, as soon as we found that out, we began praying for him. They brought him to church within I think a week, uh, being a week old. We sung over him and prayed over him as a church community, and to now. Uh, what is it? Six months later, hear that story that he's been declared cancer free. I tell you what, what joy that brings uh, to the heart of a congregation, what joy that brings to a pastor uh, to know that those people have found community and that those people have found a connection to God uh, amongst us. So there's many reasons to find joy in community. And uh, I certainly had the privilege of doing that as the as one of the fathers in the house, if you like. Uh, pastors often consider themselves um, in that fatherly or parental role, if it's a female pastor, a parental and motherly role uh, to a church community. And so great joy, occasionally uh, great grief that we share in, uh, but great support uh, through any season of life. And that's one of the reasons I love a local church community. Amen to that. Well, your, your first book, He Qualifies You, talks about the three covenants found in the Bible. Tell us about those covenants. Yes, sir. Well, uh, from a pulpit perspective, I mean, your listeners can probably already tell uh, I'm a bit of a natural preacher. It, it doesn't take me long to get energetic and get enthused when I talk about a God and what he's doing in people's lives. And it's the same when I open the Bible. I do, uh, I'm do. i fairly energetic in my expression, uh, but I tend towards uh, being more of a, a teacher than a preacher and uh, your Christian audience listening uh, may understand uh, a bit of the difference there. A preacher uh, tends to get people enthusiastic about what to do with life and moving forward and and uh, things that God is saying and this is what you can do. And a teacher tends to um, encourage people to look back in the past uh, to examine uh, the scripture, the holy the holy Bible, the scripture, and to delve deep into understanding it. Uh, preaching is often a, an issue of the heart. It gets people's emotions stirred and an issue of the hands. It gets people practically wanting to do something with what they've heard. Uh, teaching has more to do with how we think about things. And so this book, He Qualifies You, my first book that you've just asked about, uh, deals with the three major uh, types of relationships that God has had with people throughout biblical history. And the idea of it is to get people to think, okay, it's a teaching, it helps people to think about the Bible in terms of these different relationships. Uh, one of the things that confuses some Bible readers, even experienced Christians, um, is how God seems to treat people quite differently in the Bible. You know, it's like one minute he's being kind to people and releasing his people from the from the Egyptians as they pass through the Red Sea with Moses and it's all celebration and God provides for them in the desert and blesses them and loves them and is generous and kind towards them. And the next minute, his wrath and his fire and his uh, judgment seems to break out. It's like, oh, hang on, what? What's the matter with God? You know, what happened to him? You know, why does he, uh, is God moody? Does he seem to treat people so differently? What kind of God am I, am I going to get today? You know, some people have the idea of the God of the Old Testament being a God of judgment and anger and, and wrath, you know, and, and there are elements of that in the Old Testament. There is reason to believe that. And then people look at the New Testament and go, well, what about Jesus? Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. You know, how can the God of the New Testament and the God of the Old Testament be the same? Well, the Bible is consistent, but we just need to think about it correctly. 
And one of the ways that we need to think as we read through the scripture and be aware of is that God actually does have different forms of relationship, different um, relational agreements with people through history. And the fancy word for that, the Bible word for that is covenant. God um, has a relational agreement. He has a covenant with people. It's kind of like a contract in some ways uh, in, in modern terms, but basically he has a, an agreement with people as to this is the way that this is the kind of relationship we are going to have. And there's essentially three major covenant relationships that God makes with uh, people throughout the Bible. And uh, those three relationships are characterized by the three characters of the Bible, Abraham, Moses, and Jesus. And what we see in the family of Abraham is that God promised Abraham that I will bless you and I'll bless all your sons after you. And it seems as you read the Bible after that, through the book of Genesis, that no matter how poorly behaved those sons were, you know, <laughs> one of the things about reading uh, the stories in the Bible is um, the characters in the Bible don't always have the greatest morality, okay? And it's definitely true with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their boys. They they were rat bags, as we call it, would say in Australia. They were scallywags, you might say, uh, in the US. Uh, they were often fairly immoral people, and yet God continued to bless them. And you say, well, why would God bless people that acted like that? Well, the reason was they were in a covenant where God said, I'm going to bless you uh, on the basis of grace. And he said, what qualifies you for that blessing is your pedigree, the fact that you're Abraham's kids. So if there was someone that identified as a child of Abraham, God would bless them despite their behavior. And that is the God, that is the relationship we see through the era of Abraham. But then Moses comes along in the book of Exodus and things change. There's a relational adjustment. God gives them the commandments at Sinai and he says to them, listen, uh, we're going to enter into a different type of relational agreement now uh, where I won't bless you just on the basis of your pedigree, just on the, on the basis that you're Abraham's ancestors. No, no, no. I'll bless you if you obey me. And if you disobey me, I'll curse you. I'll bless you when you obey. And if you disobey, I'll curse you. What do you think? He proposes this to the people of Mount Sinai. And they said, yes, sounds like a great deal to us. Amen, amen. God, we'll do whatever you say. We'll do whatever you say. They say it three times. <laughs> we'll do whatever you tell us for all the rest of our lives. And they enter into a new type of relationship with God at Sinai. It's called the law covenant, uh, a mosaic, Moses covenant. And that is when, when God's people obey, he blesses them. But when they disobey, he curses them and wrath and judgment uh, breaks out upon them. And it's not because God's schizophrenic or has multiple personalities. It's not because God is moody. The relational agreement that they entered into changed. God is consistent, but the, the covenant was changed. There was a different covenant that came into play. Well, God's people had this history for about 1,400 years. That's basically the whole rest of the Old Testament story. His relationship with them goes up and down, up and down. You know, when, when they obey, they're on good terms with God. And when they disobey, God judges them. And when they obey, God blesses them. And when they disobey, he curses them. And so you see this up and down yo-yo relationship with God people and uh, God's people until the day where angels come and they herald the birth of a saviour, and they pronounce good news of great joy, and Jesus comes on the scene at 33 years of age. He has a meal with his friends, a lamb with some red wine, okay, and uh, he breaks bread with them, and he says, listen, I'm about to introduce a new covenant in my blood, a new form of relationship with God, 
Okay. And Jesus brings an end to the mosaic relationship, the mosaic covenant with God and ushers in a new covenant. And so this is why the New Testament Bible, a part of our Bible, uh, many of you, those uh, listeners who are familiar with the Bible understand this, talks about the new covenant versus the old Moses covenant. Okay. It's Moses versus Jesus, uh, grace and truth. The law came through Moses, John said. Grace and truth came through Jesus, a new form of relationship started. And so God, again, blesses his people, not because of their pedigree, not because of their performance to a set of rules. God blesses his people because they are positioned in the person of Jesus. Jesus qualifies us for God's blessing, not the family you're born into, not your behavior, but your belief in Jesus. And so God is always consistent. He is faithful to the covenant, the relation, the form of relationship that people have with him. The good news is that the covenant, the relationship that we get to enjoy today is far superior to what Moses has, as good as it was at the time, it is far superior to that. And that's basically the context of uh, the content of a lot of the New Testament letters from men like the Apostle Paul saying, listen, the Old Testament has had its, not the Old Testament, sorry, the Old Covenant has had its day, but God wants us to come out of that form of relationship with him, accept Jesus and enter into a whole new good news arrangement. And so my book, he qualifies you is basically around that theme. It shows the big story of the Bible through these three separate relationships, the covenant of Abraham, Moses, and Jesus. And it's uh, the name, he qualifies you, comes from the book of Colossians, where Paul says, God has qualified you to share in his blessings because of Jesus, not your birth, not your behavior, but your belief in Jesus is what qualifies you, not your pedigree, not your performance, your religious piety. No, it's your position in the person of Jesus. What Jesus has done on the cross was a dividing line for all history. And so that's the book, He Qualifies You, my first book from 2010. It's actually a very short book. Um, while it deals with a big subject matter, it's a book you can sit down and read in about an hour. And uh, there's uh, many people on the Amazon reviews uh, just testify to that, just to say how simple and straightforward it is and uh, really helps you to understand the Bible itself because those three major covenants are a significant theme through the scriptures. And so, uh, Curtis, that's my first book, He Qualifies You. Uh, you can get it, as I said, on Amazon or other online bookshops. Uh, he Qualifies You, Inheriting the Blessing Through the Gospel of Grace is the uh, subtitle. Well, let's talk about your second book and its title, y You Can Handle the Truth. How did you come up with that title of that book? Well, some, some people may say I ripped it off from a, uh, a Hollywood film from the 90s, okay? <laughs> but, that, but that's not actually it. It's not actually the title of the book, You Can Handle the Truth, uh, is, uh, doesn't actually come from A Few Good Men. It comes from a Bible verse uh, in a book called Timothy. Timothy is a character in the New Testament that Paul the Apostle wrote to. It's like his uh, apprentice, basically. It's a young preacher, a young minister. And so he writes to Timothy and gives him instructions about how to be a good preacher, how to be a good minister. And one of the things he says there in, in the second letter to Timothy, uh, to Timothy chapter two, he says, I want you to be a good workman or a good work person uh, who correctly handles the word of truth. Uh, older Bibles, the King James, those who grew up in the King James may be familiar with the term who rightly, rightly divide 
the word of truth, rightly divide the word of truth. And basically that's Paul's way of saying, saying that when it comes to the Bible, there is a right way and there is a wrong way to handle it. There is a correct way and there is an incorrect way to handle the scriptures. And the word you just mentioned there, Curtis, is hermeneutics. Uh, that's basically the fancy term uh, for how we handle literature or how, how we handle anything that is written, how we understand it, how we read it, how we interpret it or discover its meaning, and then what we do to it, how, what we do with it, what we, how we may respond to that literature. Okay. So you might be driving your, your, your car uh, along the road and there's a, there's a, there's three lights ahead of you, a red, an orange, and a green, and the, the green goes to orange and then red. Well, what does that mean? Okay, what, you, you know what it says to you, it, it, it's that the colors have changed, but what does it mean and what should you do about that? Okay, well, that's, guess what? That's hermeneutics. That's, that's reading something, uh, even if it's just a color change on a, on a traffic stop. Uh, that's reading something and saying, hang on, I need to understand what that means and do something about it. Well, it's the same with the Bible. We need to read it. We need to understand what it means and then do something appropriate about it. And so my second book, he, uh, what is it? You Can Handle the Truth, uh, is all about encouraging people that, listen, you can handle the Bible. Yes, there are times where the Bible seems complicated. Yes, you might have sat in church and heard a preacher go on and on, and you, 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 he just lost you in the detail. Okay, you got no idea what he was talking about, and you've maybe thought your whole life, well, the Bible's too difficult for somebody like me. You need to be a scholar. You need to be have gone to Bible college. You need to have gone to seminary. No, 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 no. The Bible is for everyone. And yes, there are complicated bits. True. Yes, there are bits that are difficult to understand. Absolutely. Yes, there are bits that seem a little bit strange and, and, and difficult to find their relevancy to us here in the 21st century. That is absolutely true. Some of it is difficult. However, the Bible is for everyone and you can handle it. You can handle the truth. And this book is all about helping people in how to read the Bible, how to read it, how to then understand what it's saying, and then how to appropriate it or how to apply it in their everyday life. It's a very simple three-step uh, process. The subtitle of the book, You Can Handle the Truth, is making sense of the Bible in three simple steps, making sense of the Bible in three simple steps steps. And there are three simple steps to understanding, uh, to handling the Bible well. The first step is you've got to read it. Okay. You've got to, <laughs> you've got to answer the question, what does the Bible say? That's the first step of, uh, of handling the Bible well is to read it, to under, to, to see what it says. What does the Bible say? The second thing you've got to ask is, well, what does that mean? I know what the Bible says. I've just read a story or I've just read a teaching or I've just read uh, a passage or a song. What I know what it says, but what does that mean? What, what does that actually mean? If I know that I just read a passage where Jesus said, listen, if you destroy this temple, I'll raise it again in three days. Like I know that's what it says. Uh, I just read a passage that said, where Jesus said, drink my blood and eat my flesh. <laughs> yes, that's right. Jesus said that. Oh, wow. Okay. That's what the Bible says. But that's only the first step. The next step is, well, what does that mean? What does Jesus mean when he said, 
eat my flesh and drink my blood. Okay, what did he mean when he said, you must be born again? Uh, what did he mean when he said that he had water to drink, uh, that if you drank it, you'd never thirst again? Okay, where do I find this H2O? Which bottle shop can I buy that in? Well, okay, now hang on, hang on. That's not what Jesus meant, okay? He said he had water, but he meant something other than H2O. What did he say? What did he mean? And then the third step is, well, what does it matter? Okay, I know what Jesus said. Oh, I know what the Bible says. I know what it means, or at least I'm, I've got a good idea as to what it means. But what does it matter? Who cares? Okay, well, what, what do I do with it now? Uh, I know the information. Uh, of, I've, I've understood the interpretation. But what about application? Is there anything I need to do about this? You know, I know the traffic light turned from green to red. I know red means stop. But what am I supposed to do with that? You know, what do I do with it? Okay, how do I apply that in my life? Oh, guess what? You apply the brake. Okay, that's what you do. You know what it said. You know what it means. But guess what? It matters. You've got to do something with it. And so there's a three-step process to handling the Bible, just like there's a three-step process to handling almost all literature. Okay, And that's the basic framework of the book, helping people to handle the Bible well. It's not that difficult. Yes, there are difficult bits. I admit that. And every preacher and Bible teacher will. But overall, the Bible is accessible. And I want to encourage your listeners if they've uh, if they've they've read some of the Bible before, maybe they've been put off, as I said, by uh, certain preachers they've heard that have just made it too hard or too difficult. Listen, give it another go. Okay, you can handle the Bible, and that's what my book's about. You can handle the truth. It's all about helping people to handle the Bible well. And this subject is something that's, you know, at the end of the day, it's been talked about for the best part of 2000 years with Christian and Jewish scholars all trying to articulate the best way to handle the Bible. Well, my book does it uh, for a um, a, a younger audience. I'm 43. And uh, in writing the book, I was essentially targeting a 20, 30 something year old age bracket. Uh, but really, it's for everyday people. Uh, it's not full of technical terms. It's not convoluted language. Uh, it is taking a complex subject, but presenting it in a simple, straightforward way. There's even illustrations and cartoons and, and other things in there to soften the subject matter, but it's not full of technical terms. You don't have to be a Bible nerd or a seminary Bible college student to read it. An everyday person with their everyday Bible, okay, which should be able to take, you can handle the truth and it will help equip you to read your Bible well. And also very good for pastors and preachers uh, to help find ways to communicate these things to other people. Uh, because one of the challenges that we have as pastors is to take difficult subjects or to take complex truth that we see in the scripture and to condense it in ways that are easy for the everyday person to understand. And so it's got a lot of praise. You can handle the truth uh, from Presbyterian pastors and Pentecostal pastors. It's got praise from Bible translators and Bible school, Bible college professors who've read it, but all say the same thing. It is um, It deals with a complex issue. It's not shallow, but it's simple. And uh, that's the way I like to present it. And so that's part of the success that it's having. And that's one of the great passions I have is to help everyday people to get to know God through the scripture and therefore to let them know you can handle the Bible 
yourself. You don't have to rely on a professional preacher. You don't have to rely on the evangelist on TV or a priest or a pope, okay? You can handle the Bible for yourself with the help of other people, absolutely, but you can handle the Bible for yourself. So please read it and give yourself to understand it and apply it in your life. Can you tell us about any current or upcoming projects that you're working on that people need to know about? Uh, upcoming projects, well, as I, uh, I'm not writing anything uh, at the moment. Uh, what I have done is I've developed a video course to accompany this book. Uh, in fact, tonight I'm going to be going to my own church where a group is is running through that. We're sort of doing a beta test on that at the moment. And uh, so that is a project I'm working on and I'm hoping to release that uh, somewhat, sometime during the course of this year. I'm just getting feedback on that now. So if people follow me on social media, uh, Chad M for Michael, Chad M Mansbridge is my name. If they follow me there, then they'll be able to uh, find out when that video course is available. So that's a project I'm working on. It's the You Can Handle the Truth video mentoring program. Uh, and uh, But this year as a pastor, my main project is celebrating our 20th birthday, as I said right at the start. So we're actually giving quite a lot of time for that, for our community uh, to celebrate their achievements and to remember what God's done with us uh, in our 20-year history as a local church. Well, give out your contact information. You already gave out your social media. Give out your websites. I know you have a 20-year anniversary website as regular as well as a regular website. So go ahead and give them out. Not a problem. Thanks, Curtis. Well, the, the 20th birthday site and our church website are quite specific to our local church. Uh, but for me personally, uh, if people just Google my name, Chad Mansbridge. Uh, in fact, my website is chadmansbridge.com. Okay, so quite simple, chadmansbridge.com. Uh, and uh, they should be able to find me there and information on the video mentoring program and uh, links to the book on Amazon or whatever. And of course, if people just look me up on Amazon, if that's where they buy books, uh, both my books are available in audio format. In fact, I narrate uh, both of the books myself. And don't worry, I don't talk this fast on the, on the audio books. Okay. Some people actually have to speed up the audio books because I do enunciate quite clearly for my uh, Asian friends uh, that uh, I've got quite a um, lot of people throughout the uh, Southeast Asia that I visit. And so I need to speak clearly for them. So most people speed me up on the audio books, but the books are available on audio or electronic book. Or of course, I'm a paper fan. Whenever I get a book, uh, paper trumps screen as far as I'm concerned, but you can get them, uh, both the books there. He qualifies you and my latest book, You Can Handle the Truth. As I said, both of them through chadmansbridge.com or just look on your favorite online platform. So I think that's that's there. And then on social media, I'm fairly easy to look up. It's just Chad M with a M in the middle, Chad M Mansbridge. People can follow me on most platforms, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Rumble, etc. Okay. Well, close us out with some final thoughts. Anything that maybe I missed that you would like to talk about or any final thoughts that you would like to tell the listeners? Well, Curtis, I, again, I just want to thank you and I appreciate your time. Uh, I know that uh, people, your listeners may have very different views uh, about who God is and about what the Bible has to say or its relevance uh, to us today. Uh, but I just like to encourage people having a relationship with God knowing Jesus, not as a, a dead historical figure, okay, but knowing Jesus as a very real person who truly is 
alive today and uh, has, has arms open to have a relationship with you. Uh, I want to encourage you, no matter what your background, no matter what your experience uh, with the Christian community may have been in the past, uh, would you please consider pressing in uh, to a relationship with God and uh, finding a, a Christian community that can help you in that relationship and uh, and come to know him through his scriptures. The Bible is a great book. It's formed the foundation. It's the most widely read book in the world and it's formed the foundation of many Western cultures, including and most certainly uh, in America. One of the reasons that you are one of the, the greatest country that you are today is in large part because you have good roots uh, and uh, in, in the uh, Christian heritage. And uh, so to see the Bible and to read it for yourself is one of the best things uh, I believe that you can do. And I'd encourage you as we lead up uh, to the Easter season, I'm not sure when this is going to air, Curtis, but uh, right now we're being, this interview is being done in late March. And so we're coming into Easter. Uh, if you've not read the Bible lately, I want to encourage you to open up and find a book called Luke. Uh, it's toward the kind of towards the end of the Bible, maybe about 80% of the way through, okay? Many people would be familiar with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, okay? So if you find any of them, you'll find Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I'd encourage you to read the Gospel of Luke uh, as we lead into Easter, and uh, you should have a good idea of who Jesus is and what is done as it, as it leads up to his death and resurrection. And then after Luke, um, there's a, a second part to the book of Luke called the book of Acts, and it shows what happens with God's people when they enter into a relationship with him and what the life of the Christian community can look like today if we truly follow Jesus. So for any new beginners, I say all that to say, for those of you who have not read the Bible for a while, uh, my personal encouragement to most people is to start with the book of Luke and Acts. The Bible is actually 66 books. It's not one. There's a whole collection. The Bible is a library, basically. It's a library of different books, but there's those two ones in particular that I think are great to start off reading. Luke and then Acts. Luke and then Acts together, and you'll cover the 30 years of Jesus' life, and then the book of Acts will cover the 30 years after he left this planet and uh, should give you a good idea of both Jesus' life and what he did in his 30 years, and then what that can look like in our lives today as you read through the book of Acts. Ladies and gentlemen, chadmansbridge.com. Be sure to pick up his books, check out his website, and take his advice about checking out Luke and Acts. Also, be sure to follow, rate, review, share this episode to as many people as possible. And Android listeners, go to the Google Play Store and download the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast app. Chad, thank you so much for gracing my listeners with your presence today. Once more, I appreciate you, Curtis. Thank you so much. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.